cut the crest presents the screening room. Welcome to the screening room. Uh, this episode. I am joined by actor Richard Cunningham, British actor Richard Cunningham. Richard, thank you so much for uh, for doing this. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, okay, so Richard's career. I mean, I'm not gonna, I won't, I won't, I won't go through you know the filmography or anything like that uh, here. We, we'll we'll talk about it. You know, we'll 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 get into it. Um, so let let's just let's start. Uh, and I, oh God, I ask this really cliched sort of uh, thing sometimes of people. Oh, where did it all begin? But um, yeah, I guess we can do that. Where did it all begin, Richard? Where did it all begin? Oh my goodness! Uh, probably when I was about sixteen, seventeen. Want to go back that far? Okay. Um, but. Um, I lacked any kind of um, confidence um, as a child, um, but um, something inside me wanted to perform. It was just it's a weird kind of, that it's this weird thing going on inside. You just want to get up. I wanted to get up and, and perform. And, and maybe that was just a need uh, to find some kind of confidence I don't know, but maybe that would make me feel more confident if I um, did something like that. And um, so I just had this need. Um, you, you know, when they kind of uh, kind of go uh, in assembly, they just kind of, uh, you know, they ask, oh, does anybody want to be in the play? And, uh, yeah. But I would just, oh, I'd, I'd be stuck <laughs> on my seat and I couldn't, I couldn't get up. Couldn't get up, but I wanted to get up. <laughs> <laughs> but I eventually, I mean, that eventually, I did eventually find the confidence to do that. And um, I, I performed in this, um, in this sixth form review um, uh, back in, I got it. I mean, it is about 1983, 84 or something like that, um, somewhere around then. Okay. Um, and my best friend was uh, somebody called Tim Hinks, who is the executive um well he's he's Andy Moll International. I mean he's he's massive in television now. Oh, okay. Um and he was my best friend. He was a lot more intelligent than I was. And I just I, we did this show for the this is what we call the sixth form review and it was all written scripts that we'd written ourselves. And um, oh, right. and I played this doctor in this scene. And um, Tim, I think he had an eye for it then. He just said, oh, he said, you're suddenly very different. You're, you're very different on stage. Um, there's something quite interesting that happens to you. You've suddenly become very good. And I just remember him saying that. And weirdly, that just that little thing that he said to me then, that kind of gave me a bit of confidence just to go on. You know, and then I started wanting to go to to college to to study acting, and I mean it, that that's where it came from, really, very very small beginning. And and when I was performing in that in that 
sketch on stage. Um, it was a funny sketch and I got laughs. So it was just, um, oh, okay. And that was literally your first ever performance? That was kind of my first ever performance, yes, yeah. I mean, oh, wow. I'd done stuff with Muppets and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, like practising hand puppets and... Did my you... granny, my yes, my granny had a curtain that went in between the two, this room. So you could actually close the curtains and you could go behind the curtain. You had a, a whole area behind the curtain that you could have your, have your little stage and then come through the curtain. And I was a bit, I was a bit crazy on the Muppets. So I had a, yeah, I had um, a Kermit and a Rolf <laughs> puppet. <laughs> I would do, I would, uh, yes, perform through the, through the curtain with those. Uh, That's incredible. It was inherently in you. You just needed, uh, you just needed something to get you up onto that stage during sixth form, basically. And, and I suppose the confidence boost from your friend as well to say sort of. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's kind of all it was. Yeah. But I mean, I, obviously the, you know, in all the, the years that I've been doing it, my confidence has grown, but confidence is the thing. It's the key to anything in acting. Um, and, and we can all lose our confidence at any time, mm. uh, you know, and, and if you're feeling particularly low on confidence, um, it really doesn't help. So you have to find, I mean, in a sense, you have to, it's almost, you have to create confidence. Sometimes you just have to find something in you mm. that you think, oh, that's my confidence or, and re or remind yourself that you can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I've been in yeah. Rogue One, this is, well, I've, can, I've done this, I've done that, yeah. I can do this. And there's always that moment before you go and you start shooting or anything that you mm. think, oh God, this is going to be a disaster. And then <laughs> you end up... <laughs> and then you're in the scene, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's fine, it's fine. It's just, uh, yeah, it's something, uh, it's almost like an automatic thing that goes, a switch that goes off in you that kind of just is just guides you keeps you kind of going or whatever it's yeah it's very easy to run out of batteries at that. <laughs> <laughs> you still i mean you i got the impression just now because you mentioned rogue one so and that was only 2016 so you would have shot it what 2015 uh, yes about 15 yeah 15 so, 16 so you still do you still find yourself in that position then when you when you're about you still get uh, what should we call it nerves you you get flutters yes you get you do get nervous um and because because filming is it, it, it well it is quite intense hmm. um because you've kind of got to deliver um you don't you i know it's fine you can go back you can keep going back and uh and doing a scene over and over again, but they don't particularly like you to do that. So, um, and to, to deliver your best performance, you need to be kind of right on it. So um, rather than making, continuing to make mistakes in every scene, if you can kind of deliver a scene clean, as they say, mm. um, three or four times, then you've, you've done a really good job. But uh, yeah, if you, if you keep slipping up, then you, you, you know, it, actually it gets worse. If you start losing the plot yeah. and if you start dropping lines here and there and forgetting where you are, whatever it can, that, that can kind of override you and it can really affect your performance. So, you, you know, you just have to kind of, it's focus, 
yeah. I think extremely focused and you're exhausted by the end I'm always exhausted by the end of any filming day because you you have had to really concentrate yeah. to get yourself through it you know and I mean uh, uh, fortunately I you know I'm, I'm pretty good on lines uh, most okay. of the time so touch wood yeah but That's... when lines start going ugh, so then it's that confidence thing again, isn't it? Because it, you start to you start to lose. At least, at least that's happened on the few occasions that I've been um, delivering dialogue. Uh, if I start yeah. screwing it up, yeah, you're right. It does sort of eat away at you, and and especially uh, you're looking at everybody else who's relying on you to get it right. You know, because it's not just you. Um, and if you're cocking up. You, 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 there's this awareness that you're holding all these people up, and oh no, what do they think? Yeah. They must think I'm an idiot. Oh god, I, I shouldn't be here. I can't do this. Yeah, okay, I can see how that would, yeah, and it can escalate quickly, escalate, can't it? It can escalate. Yeah, I know. And often, often the the star actually, you know, will make mistakes, but they're allowed. <laughs> they're kind of allowed to make mistakes yeah. more than you are because if you're a if you're a, what we call a day player where you go in for a day or two or three or whatever um you you really need just to deliver that there and then um I, even going back to one of my earlier performances in um it was law and order uk where i played barry flowers the florist okay. uh, <laughs> barry Fl yes it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> a Bradley Wolves made a joke of it as well. It was it was very funny, but I, I had to do I had to do my close up. Um, it came to me doing my close up, and I did that three times that close up, and I didn't make any mistakes with the lines at all. And and Bradley went, he went reach, you reach. I couldn't do that. That's amazing. You've done it three times, totally clean. So uh, thankfully, I you know. Generally, I, I do it clean, and because I'm so, I mean, I'm just so thorough with the lines that I usually just, you know, if I make a mistake, that's when I start going, uh oh, uh oh, okay. I'm coming up to that line again. Is it going to come out? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Okay, yeah. um, I mean, because you've done an immense amount of TV, uh, you've done a lot of TV, right? Um, Quite a lot now. Yeah, yeah. I mean. So no. when you're uh, when you are in that position and you're you know you're delivering the line, I mean, how how much time do you have between uh, receiving the script uh, and then actually being on set ready to go? Like, how much time do they give you? Especially um, like a day, if you're doing like as you say a day a day's work, you're going in there for a day or two. It varies, you know, but you know, a lot of the time you get about. You can have about a month before you're on set, so you'll be offered okay. um, something, and they and they rush you through, you know, and you, you get the script uh, sent, to, uh, you know, via email. Obviously, mm -hmm. they want you in the next day for the casting, so you have to uh, you have to learn the lines um, very very quickly, yeah. um, and hope that you remember those lines the next day because that's difficult. That is really difficult. Learning the lines of the casting for the next day, mm. um, we all struggle with that. And uh, your brain can do all sorts of very strange things when you've got so little time to prepare. 
Mm. So it's a really a lot of the time it's a hit and miss thing, I think, with castings. But uh, yeah, so they rush you through there, and then and then you get an offer, and they say, oh yes, yeah, so you're not on set uh, for another three, four weeks or something like that. So you say, oh, so what about the rush? <laughs> but anyway, I mean, generally, um, yeah, I would say probably about a month, but um, sometimes it's. Sometimes it can be only a couple of weeks. It, it, it varies, really. It, I mean, and sometimes it can be just a few days. So there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Mm. But on average, it's kind of about a three-week to four-week period before you get on set. So, so you should know the lines, but then the lines can obviously change. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, drafts, new drafts come in and stuff. Yeah. So um, you're kind of going, going oh, I hope I don't change that because I, I know that now. But, yeah, <laughs> that was going to be my next question, actually, was that how often then are the lines that you read for the casting, how often do they remain the same or how often do they change? But you're, say, you're saying that they, they do stay the same? Yeah, they generally, generally stay the same. Um, I've just done a, I just did a film in last summer in um, Cognac uh, called Eight the Silver, um, being directed by somebody called Sean Ellis. Okay. Um, okay. And um, the, that was a, a slightly unusual experience because we suddenly, uh, I only thought I had a couple of lines in it or something, but it was quite, it was quite nice because um, it was a, a few days in Cognac and I was going backwards and forwards to, to Cognac. Um, and a beautiful hotel <laughs> as well. But then, then it came to um, shooting a particular scene and um, there were meant to be a, a couple of other actors in that scene, um, but um, it transpired that they were only French extras, the other, two, the other um, actors in the scene. And so all the lines in that scene then were distributed between uh, me and another actor. So um, we literally, uh, literally the morning of that shooting that, that scene, we were suddenly told that, I mean, I had a couple of chunks to learn. Um, oh. And then you had to shoot it and basically shoot it in the afternoon. So it was quite that, I, but I somehow I managed to do it. I mean, sometimes that that's probably the best way of working okay. in fact because uh, i mean we're doing self tapes for castings um, quite a lot these days where you, you you basically just you know that you're told to put something on tape quite quickly and get it all together very very quickly so you get kind of used to picking up lines quite quickly and you that's fine you can do that quite quickly but then it's retaining those lines for the next day that's difficult. So you can pick them up in half an hour and do them in half an hour. But then if you would need to hang on to them for the next day, that's when you can start kind of uh, dropping them and kind of and, and doubting yourself about what you're saying. So it's probably best to just work that fast. Yeah. And that's how they do it in soaps, actually. Really? So like... Yeah. On, uh... Oh, I've seen your filmography online, um, and and I've, I have noticed. Yeah, so you've done you've done a few soap operas. Uh, I did. And, yeah. So okay, so how how does that differ then? You were saying that so they're really quick. 
they're really quick yeah yeah i did hollyoaks uh, quite early on uh i was this uh businessman who um who uh paid for a prostitute <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was yes I, to, I was topless in the scene and everything but <laughs> but from i can't remember the name of the actress um oh dear uh she, she's quite she was quite well known but anyway i can't remember her name at the moment, but uh, i met her on on set and she didn't even know the storyline at that point i knew my lines but then she was in a head having a hair done yeah. and being told oh, what the scene was about um and literally in in about half an hour's time we were like shooting it so she didn't even know what the scene was wow um <laughs> so it was that kind of it was that which i don't know maybe that's the best i don't know maybe that is the better way of working yeah i, I don't know how did you um, feel about it do you recall do you remember how did she feel about it do you remember at all like what her he reaction was, he seemed to be fine yeah she was absolutely fine she was great wow i mean she just i think i think they're used to just i think they're used to getting lines and things getting changed very last second so their brains work in a different kind of way i yeah. think uh, i think if you're doing that every day working in that that way every day then your brain is going to get used to working that yeah way. it makes so, sense yeah sense you'd be wired to just be like okay yeah this is what i'm doing that's interesting yeah really interesting and it's yeah. that pressure i suppose isn't it um you've done theater that yeah. level of pressure i mean it's a totally different beast uh for those who, who are listening who may not quite realize but theater you know you're live you're you're running the whole thing from beginning yeah. to end. whereas with film you are I, I i know you were saying that you know mistakes aren't uh you know gen they're, they're somewhat frowned upon and whatnot but i mean there is a little bit of give there you know um yeah sort of stop start stop start going back uh and so forth yeah so do you yeah. like your theater career um can you talk a little bit about that and like the, i suppose on the same continuing with the same subject like the 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 level of pressure that you felt uh when you're performing on stage versus uh on camera because actually you know it sounds some you started with live performance, you know, the puppetry, the puppet show stuff. Um, and then, you know, the stuff <laughs> they did in the six. Yeah. I think that's legitimate. That's legitimate that, that, that the puppet show thing, the seed was there from a very early age and you were there trying to entertain, um, yeah. as, as silly as it may seem. Uh, I don't know. I see that as a really legitimate part of the process and that journey to get to where you are now. Um, yeah. How, how how can you can you talk a little bit about so the the theater versus uh on camera and the, you've talked about obviously the pressures involved with camera but what about with stage um you know and, and elaborating a bit more on your first experience in sixth form as well my first experience in sixth form yeah um well no i think stage um weirdly enough and i think it's probably because i trained because i trained at a drama school where you kind of focus on theater lambda, um, lambda back in uh, when i trained at lambda in 1987 god right does that that dates me doesn't it 
1987. We had the 1993 years I did there, and 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 it was really totally focused on hmm. on theatre, hmm. um, because obviously now if you're doing a, a drama course anywhere, you'll probably get more focus on film and um, television, whatever those techniques. Okay. Uh, we had one class really mm. in television technique. So, I mean, it, that, that was not an important part of the training, really. It was, right. you were being trained as a theater actor. So okay. I think, I think because, I, I, because I managed to get into Lambda as well. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Lambda back then, it felt like there were only, you know, you only had Rada, Central, Guildhall, Lambda, the, those schools that were kind of, that really meant something. You know, everybody was telling us that, you know, to get somewhere in your career, if you could, if you could actually get into one of these schools, you would kind of get uh, quite a good start. Um, right. So, you know, just for me to even get into Lambda um, was quite an extraordinary thing for me to be able to do. And I did it because, I did it by um, uh, a piece where um, it was a Sam Shepard piece that I, I got their attention with, which was um, about seven and a half minutes long. Wow. <laughs> you're, meant to do, you're meant to do a three minute audition speech. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there it was, it was seven and a half minutes. And it was me. Uh, transforming he was this crazy character in a play called Action. He's, he's, the character's uh, name was Jeep, and um, he kind of has has this kind of transformation where he's he's going completely crazy. But he he how I envisaged uh, the whole uh, thing was that he was turning into these animals and, and transforming. So I kind of like uh, uh, there was a moment where I. Uh, kind of sauntered up to the uh, people in the audition, and and I was this tiger roaring, and <laughs> scaring the life out of them. Wow. Uh, and then I'd rip, then I'd rip my shirt off, <laughs> my t-shirt, put it in my mouth, and kind of toss it away. And then I found myself jumping around as a as a, a chimpanzee and kind of, I mean, it was just crazy. It was a crazy, crazy piece where you get this character kind of loses his mind. And I think he found his, the freedom, he found freedom in being um, an animal. And it really just caught their attention, I think. I think that's how I got in, <laughs> doing this extraordinary piece where I was just jumping around. Um, I, and so in a sense, that became a great big performance piece. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got my, you know, that's kind of my, my confidence of being kind of performing. That's how I kind of, got through it so um and then yeah so once i was accepted in, in lambda i think you just oh i'm in lambda and that gives you its own confidence and then you're in a group of of actors 20 other actors who are all you know we're all in the same boat we're, we're friends and whatever and that and then you kind of gain confidence and you actually become quite fearless mm. as as an actor when you're a, a young drama student yeah. And then you go out and I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I'm, you know, I bring it on, I'll do anything. And you're not scared, you're actually not scared. Uh, I, it's weird. Yeah, I lost all kind of fear 
um, and you would just go into auditions and uh, and smash them out of the park. The auditions, you know, and and so so yes, I I, I think as a, as a theatre actor, I kind of grew in confidence, um, and I think I, obviously I, I lacked, I still did lack something in me. Um, there was this shyness that was still there, but I was finding this confidence and people were beginning to tell me that actually you're quite good. So you kind of then feed off that and whatever, and you kind of just grow as, as uh, and you find a way of just keeping that confidence and whatever. And it's, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I kind of sometimes amaze myself what I've managed to do because, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was really, I, I just never thought that I'd be doing that. It's weird, and I mean, I suppose that's everybody has a little dream, hmm. um, and um, I'm quite lucky to have been able to do what I want to do, really, and what my inner inner dream was to be yeah. an actor, and I've managed to, you know, to find a way of of channeling it and, uh, and making it work for me, really. Yeah, yeah, that that you certainly have. Um, yeah. So how did the, can you describe, was there a sort of transition, uh, transitionary period or uh, between sort of um, theatre? So, you, I mean, you graduated, you left uh, Lambda, you went straight yeah. to theatre, you started doing um, uh, plays, you, you were working straight away? Yeah, straight, just about straight away because um, cause Lambda had a kind of a quite a strong connection with repertory theatres around the country and there was a a director called Richard Digby Day, who um, directed his uh, Lambda, and um, he had a connection with Colchester Theatre, Mercury, Mercury Theatre in Colchester. Hmm. And uh, I ended up, because um, I was quite probably quite good looking back then as well, too. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I think Richard had a bit of a soft spot for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice. And I ended up, <laughs> I ended up going to... Uh, to the Mercury Theatre in, in Colchester and working with um, uh, uh, a director called Michael Winter, who was, yeah. um, it was a very interesting experience, but he uh, he was quite hard on me. Um, well, he was very hard on me, in fact. Um, and, uh, but I got invited back. I think, I think he just liked, uh, I was sort of a whipping boy. Um, some directors ha- like just to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, make you feel, it's, it's something to do with their, um, with, with them showing people who's in control or whatever, uh, I, I yeah. think. But yeah. also because you're young and you're out of drama school, you know, you need, a, yeah, you need to be told how to do this and to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I sort of became a bit of a whipping boy, but then I must've done quite a good job because he invited me back, you see. So I think I stood up to him stood up to that and uh yeah and nice. uh, came through it you know so yeah that that was uh, it was repertory theater early on mm. colchester uh queen's theater Hornchurch, uh manchester library um canterbury places I, I i did do um i understudied um in a play called indian inc in the west end which was uh tom stoppard play that was back in the 1995 um uh that was felicity kendall originally in that oh right interesting. Um, okay. and then neve cusack took over 
Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so it was. Yeah. I, I think. I think theatre for me yeah. was quite easy. Really, you obviously always get a little bit nervous before you go on. Yeah. Because you have to have you have to have a little bit of nerve, hmm. and you have to have you know that adrenaline takes you on. But generally, I was pretty in control of of theatre. Okay. But um, it, it, I think I think the changing environment in theatre as well work became more difficult to to find um, because theatres were becoming more close shop and whatever. So uh, it started drying up a little bit for me. And, um, and yeah, so it was it was a weird experience. I was not lucky with my agents. Okay. Um, so I had to kind of fight, you know, to find an agent hmm. that uh, was going to work for me. Um, yeah. So I was kind of ended up doing all sorts of bizarre parts in Fringe. I went to, back to Fringe for a while and, um, okay. and um, did quite a lot on the Fringe that... Uh, Again, I've, I found quite a lot of confidence from those those performances and whatever. And I, I did a really good performance in something called Fuente of a Fuente of a Huna, um, that was at the Southwark Playhouse, and I was this very very nasty character, the commander. He was the, he was he was the central nasty character, and uh, I had this this voice. And everything that I did, <laughs> and uh, I stood in the centre of this stage, and there was the there's the channel, there was this channel where that made your voice. It, it kind of it, it made your voice. It was like an amplifier. So I found the spot in this theatre, and I just stood in the middle, and it amplified my voice. And I was this kind of big, powerful thing in the middle, oh, and. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody, uh, and then everybody ballooned me to death with water bombs at the end and everything. So it was because uh, <laughs> I was not very nice. I wasn't very nice. People were telling people were telling characters to kill me. Well, in live performance, they were saying, "Kill him! Kill him!" <laughs> the job well basically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was then I started to find this strange, this different aspect in my career where um, I started playing villains, and and it gave that it gave me another kind of confidence actually um, because I I loved playing those kind of parts though I love playing anything with a bit of an edge yeah um, and I, my agent saw that. And I think he's, they, they started putting me up for, for different parts, really. For and that. I think that's where I started, yeah, to find my, the, the next route, really. Yeah. That is yeah. interesting. Okay, so, and that kind of leads uh, quite nicely into your Rogue One character, because yeah. he, he was, well, uh, whether he was actually like that or not, uh, I don't know, it's arguable, but... He he was a bad guy, and he was uh, he was a general. So did did you when you were approaching that? Did you uh, did you go backwards and think about previous roles? And did any of that stuff influence how you um, portrayed uh, Satoris Ramda, General Satoris Ramda, in Rogue One? Uh, not at all, because weirdly enough. Um, 
with with the Star Wars, um, we we weren't really given much of an idea of of who these people were. Um, it's a, a kind of a quite a, a strange. It was quite a, a difficult way of working because um, you didn't know um, from day to day what you would be shooting, um, and because um, we would be sent scripts through. Um, through pics through that this software mm. where it was all encrypted the software um, and what we would be what we had to do uh, uh, every evening um, before going on to set would be just to, to wait in front of our computers and then and wait um, for a message um, that would hopefully um, send us a link to our scripts. Uh, and um, I, I got quite—I don't know—I was quite anxious um, for quite a lot of it because these scripts wouldn't—they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come as as automatically as you thought they were. And you started texting the um, the second uh, the, the the second AD and, uh, and saying, oh, "Where's my where's my script? Is anything coming? You know, I've not received anything, and I'm meant to be shooting it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so it was all. It was a very strange um, way of working because you kind of you didn't quite know what you were going to be saying the next day. Um, right. So, and you, as obviously as actors, you want a, a, you know enough time to prepare. Mm. But we really didn't have a, a huge amount of time to prepare. So it was kind of like a a day by day thing where you weren't really sure how things were going to develop in the scene for the next day you know so okay. there wasn't really any time yeah. um, for me um, to develop a character or, or think about it hmm. uh, you would be in a sense it was it was almost like going back to Shakespearean times or something where you'd just be given the lines yeah. and get on with it that that's it really and and then and do it and and I suppose, you know, a lot of the time character anyway is hidden within the text. Hmm. So your character, you pick up a script, um, you can you re you read the character and you go, oh yeah, I know what that, I know how to do that. That that you don't really, ha I don't really have to think yeah. um, very much about character before I do it. Oh, I do, you know, he does this, he does that, whatever. You, you just basically pick up a script and you. And yes, I, I know, I know exactly what I need to do with that. that that's it. So, yeah, it's, it's all, it was all text driven, really, um, the character. So that's, that's where it came from. And even, even with Gareth on, on set, we didn't have, we didn't really discuss in detail uh, anything to do with the characters. I think, I think it was just, I suppose it was just explanatory, you know, it just made sense. Yeah. And, and so you just you got up and did it really right. so you just got, got did the like you know you learned your lines and you're on set and then you're in the scene and and, and that's it really yeah. um so, <laughs> right, so it's, it's kind of a strange way of work it was kind of a strange scary way of working yeah so it, it's you know it kind of it's a nice callback to what you were saying earlier about that sort of speed um, how much time you have to learn lines. So you've actually had been in a situation where you've kind of had to just just literally do it, you know. In do a, it. 
short space. Yeah. But it, do you... I mean, you kind of... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go, go, go. No, please. Finish no, I mean, I would, I would just be terrified. I, I was a bit terrified because you just... I, I were liked a bit of... Pre I like to prepare. I like to be prepared. And then, but I was terrified that, you know, you've got this responsibility of being on a, in a Star Wars movie and, and doing, uh, you know, the best you possibly can. Yeah. And then you don't have any time to, you don't have any time to prepare. But that was just, it just came out of, that's how it was, because it was such a top secret. I mean, it was probably the biggest top secret of those, of these movies, recent movies. I think Rogue One was more top secret than any other um, of the, the Star Wars, Star Wars films that had been before. I think I, because it was a, a completely different, um, I think it was just a, a new idea and, and they wanted to protect that. Um, and, uh, you know, we weren't allowed to talk about it. We weren't allowed to discuss any of what was going on yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, so the less we knew about it until the almost, until we were on set, I suppose the, 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 the easy it was for them to kind of control. Yeah. You know, I mean, they would be able, they would, they would read scripts in rooms. If you wanted to read a script, apparently you could read a script in a room, but there'd be CCTV and everything. Um, and then the script would be taken away from you when you left. And that, so they would be, you know, there would be a kind of a security checking that you weren't kind of recording anything or <laughs> writing anything down and all that. So it's, yeah, it's extremely top secret. This film. Yeah. It was called Los Alamos. I'm allowed to say that now. <laughs> okay. I didn't even know that. It was called Los Alamos as a code name. Yeah, um, I think I think uh, I think Han Solo had a, a, a code name of Red Cup. Yeah, Red Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Which became very well known because because with with the Solo film, they suddenly they they changed the the style and they they changed they I think they wanted it to be fairly well publicised that that movie as it was being made, you know, Ron Howard, I think, was was concentrating on, on, you know, showing what was going on on, on set and everything every day and tweeting about and everything. Yeah. So it was very, they were very open about that. Yeah. But Rogue One was extremely secret, yeah. extremely secret, which I think added to the, uh, I don't yeah. know, there's this air of mystery and just a, a yeah. sort of, oh my God, what am I in? What am I doing? Yeah, and, and it, yeah. I, I totally get it. I mean, because as you say, it was it was different, wasn't it? it was a it was a new idea, a feature had never yeah. done that way, uh, a Star Wars feature. Um, absolutely, absolutely, and also obviously they were keeping all sorts of things. Like, I mean, uh, my first day on set um, on that of that that movie, um, I, I was well, I walked into the. Um, she was walking up my trailer and then Felicity Jones came running up to me. Felicity came up to me because I'd worked on Theory of Everything. Mm. Uh, and she she remembered me from the Theory of Everything. She came running up to me, Richard, Richard, wow, oh, lovely, lovely to see you and everything. And she gave me a hug. And then I got in the car to be taken to the set. And as I got into the car, um, there was an actor called Guy Henry, mm. who I'd known from years back. Um, 
I used to work as a, a as an usher at the National Theatre um, when I was training um, at Lambda, and uh, and Guy was doing doing bit parts and stuff at the National, and he was kind of growing as a as an actor um, while I was there. And so he we knew each other. We we I kept bumping into him throughout the years and whatever. And I stepped into the car and he just went, "Hello, Richard." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, hello, <laughs> it's you, guy." And so what did I said, "What are you doing with all those spots all over your face? What are, are you feeling a bit ill? Are you sick?" Uh, I said, "Is that your character?" <laughs> And uh, obviously it transpired that all those spots on his face were it was all to do with the, the CGI and all the face recognition and everything to change his face into into um Peter Cushing. Uh you know, so um yeah. It was all about keeping secrets, mm. you know. I mean he was a big secret. Yeah. He was a big secret. Yeah. It was quite I don't know if you remember, but the 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 cast list came suddenly appeared on IMDb, and all these characters came up on the IMDb, and and uh, Guy appeared on that cast list, okay. and then he disappeared on that cast list. <laughs> so, so I thought, oh, you've been cut. <laughs> but it was, I think, it was to do with they wanted to hold it back. You know, that surprise, surprise. Did it say? Did it say that it was the Tarkin character? So did it was Guy Henry? And... No, 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 I don't think it did. I think it oh. just had. I think I remember that there was no mention of the cat. It just had Guy Henry's name in the, in the uh, in the cast list. Yeah, I think. So. Yeah, and then he disappeared, and I thought, oh, Guy's been cut too. Oh, <laughs> oh dear! And then and then you see the final thing, you're like, ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Peter Cushing was, you know, um, amazing in that in that original movie. Mm. Um, and uh, for me, that takes me back to my first love of film and everything. Uh, that was where I, it all began for me, seeing the the Hammer horrors that that Peter Cushing and uh, and Christopher Lee did, you know, and um, that that was what got me into film i was very excited yeah. to see peter cushing and so yeah it's weird how then it goes on yeah. and then suddenly i'm in a film with peter cushing yeah exactly <laughs> it's, yeah so it's all it's, it's full circle basically exactly it does feel a bit like that it does that is incredible deep. um i was gonna ask you something and now i've lost my i can't remember it so i'll cut this bit out but <laughs> that's all right <laughs> You'll probably cut quite a lot out. <laughs> no, see, I like to, I like to try and keep everything in there. Um, Me waffling on. <laughs> no, no, you're not waffling, but my role is shocking. But I did want to ask you. Um, so actually, all right. So you mentioned the. Well, I was going to just say, ask about the the sort of level of pressure people must have felt when they were in this room. You described that room. Um, did you did you actually take that up, or you didn't need to do that? You didn't. The room. Yeah, the you, the, the the script. Um, the script in the being in the room reading a script with the CCTV. You didn't do that. No, no, no. That was mainly for people who were working in production on the film. Uh, yeah, we were we were basically. I mean, what we would do um, 
we we'd get the flash of the script mm. it appeared online. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't print it off. It would only appear for a, a brief time, so uh, you had to take a few notes, obviously. Yeah. Um, so you take a few notes, but then when you arrived on set, you'd then be given the script in, uh, you know, as a, as a little piece of paper mm. and you put it around your neck in a little plastic case around your neck. Okay. And, and then when you left set, you'd give it back. Right. Um, you wouldn't take it with you. Oh my God. So that is some. Sort I remember of... I was number 90, as actually. I had number 90 on my little thing, my little plastic thing around my neck as well. So I don't, I think that must have been character number 90. Okay. Not, not the 90th script. The, <laughs> the 90th version of the script. Yeah. No. Sat there counting each one. Have we had number three hundred and sixty-five back? Uh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, so it was quite nice having that script, the script around your neck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I didn't know that. That's really that's fascinating. You had it as a reference. Yeah. 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 Okay, so um, let's 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 talk a bit more about uh, Rogue One actually, and um. And your and your work on that because in the film you know perhaps we see maybe even less than a minute of actual um, you know screen time but yeah a lot more to it right I mean uh, can you yes. can you describe what else um, what some of the other stuff was that eventually got axed for whatever reason well I can't I you know I can't remember the lines now and I was desperately trying to find the lines today but um. It, there were scenes um, of, it was mainly Ben and myself, okay. and um, we were discussing, um, we were discussing the shield. <laughs> we were discussing, um, there was, there were these scenes where there was a kind of a, there was something um, starting to attack us. We had, the, there was, we thought, you know, there was there's something unusual happening. Mm. Um, we were keeping an eye on things. Yeah. Um, we thought maybe there was somebody was about to attack us. But I would be assuring Ben mm. that, oh no, don't worry, the shield it will be shut tight. Nobody is going to get through. You know, nobody can possibly penetrate our shield here in Scarif. Um, we're totally protected. Um, so it was kind of, there was a lot of that really going on. It was, it was a, a reassurance, um, that, <laughs> that we weren't going to be attacked. Um, and actually, you know, when, and then there was a scene, I had my hologram as well, where I, I had to report to, um, to Ben that, uh, we did have, there was, uh, what's the word? Um, there was a breach, right. uh, a breach uh, of the uh, data files. Um, and so I had to tell him quite a lot of bad news over a hologram. And I was standing there in front of him in this scene and uh, giving all this, this bad news and everything. Um, and then he, <laughs> he whacked me. 
so his hand went through my hologram and then I kind of then crouched down in kind of like kind of almost quivering um protecting myself from him but obviously he hit me because I was only a hologram <laughs> and then he walked through me um into a scene with Darth Vader now I don't think oh, wow. I don't think that scene exists I don't think the the next scene with Darth Vader that he walked into I don't think that exists right. I think that is another one that, that found its way onto the editing floor hmm. I, I mean I, I'm, I'm not certain but it's certainly not the scene that um, you see in the movie no. um, but yes it's um it, and I had a lot of um there were scenes with them um, with Ben just shouting at me basically I'm calling me an imbecile <laughs> I mean I am a bit I think the character was a bit stupid I I, I, I kind of feel I, I was a bit stupid I mean uh, kind of uh, quite posh mm. um and uh, you know I just ended up on Scarif and, uh, and it's quite an easy job really because we're protected by this lovely little shield. It's really nice weather here on Scarab. And I can just relax in my deck chair and uh, and pass the days by and everything. It's actually quite a quite a doddle, really. <laughs> so that's the character. He didn't really have to do anything. You know, I didn't I wasn't really, I didn't have to have any particular skills or anything. I was just uh, I think I was born into it more like, you know, it's that kind of character. <laughs> yeah, he was, okay, so he was kind of like just pr a privileged imperial... Privileged, yeah. yes. Uh, pr privileged imbecile. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say uh, that you call him an imbecile because I suppose maybe there's uh, there are some moments where you think perhaps this guy is a bit naive, but, yeah, you know, he seemed... Um, he didn't seem particularly imbecilic. I mean, he... <laughs> But there, there, I mean, like, there's that one point when you know, um, where you you almost sort of you you question Ben Mendelssohn's um, character, yes, what what, what he's saying and he, what I think, yes, thing, uh, which I thought was quite brave, you know, um, yeah, 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 he's gonna get he's gonna get wiped out, but no, you did you didn't. Maybe that was part of my kind of, you know, I, I obviously I, I prefer to find an edge in something, even if it's mm. so um, maybe I was work, trying to work against it or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have to go with what I got. I mean, I, suddenly my lines were like being shortened and I had less to work with. So um, I had to make something of them, you know. Yeah. That kind of what was happening uh, physically on set that was you could see that happening. They were changing things up. Sorry. So you could see that happening um, on set that your lines were were they being changed or it's just that? No, I mean what happened was that that those that scene that where I um where where I say uh, and close the shield that's that line, mm -hmm. um, that um, was part of the reshoot. So um, Tony Tony Gilroy um, came in the American. Uh, screenwriter, director, um, producer. He came in um, to take over uh, on the reshoots while Gareth was in the editing suite. Yeah. Um, and, and Tony then did, did a lot of the editing of the script and uh, he edited obviously quite a lot really? of, of General Rand around in the script. So, 
<laughs> so I ended up with these little bits and things. So uh, yeah. Um, so he did that. He did that before we got onto um, on the set. Although I did have a few other lines um, that I did see um, for the reshoot, but they they didn't make it either. And actually, the lines that did those two lines, the um, all of them, that line and director, what brings you to Scarif? Those two lines um, were recorded in ADR. So um, afterwards, yeah. after the event, um, so I had to pretend I had to pretend I was walking, walking down a, a long corridor, saying, "Director, what brings you to Scarif?" You know that line. Yeah. And then, then the, the all of them, they just the all of them line came from my what you see on screen is that big close up, looking slightly puzzled yeah yeah um uh, so i my face yes the just before my face comes onto screen i i i had to time it all of them and then you see the, the confused look oh right. interesting <laughs> oh so it's clever editing there as well it is <laughs> because that with that that um scene where with the confused look hmm. i shot that 30 times or something something like that where we did a huge entrance with the with the death troopers either side of us and everything it was a, a big entrance, yeah. and then I'd come to these steps, uh, the steps, and then I'd walk down these black steps. Couldn't quite see where I was walking because they were black steps, so you weren't quite sure if you were walking on the step or not. Right. Uh, and I'd have to go down three steps, and then a camera. Um, on a, a mechanical camera, then came right into my face and then hovered in front of my face, very, very close, tight in on my face. And then I had another line. I can't, for the life of me, remember what that line was. Okay. <laughs> but I had to say that about 30 times. Oh. But that didn't, that didn't make it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How, so, okay. And how... Okay, so like you, you know, that's that's quite a that's a heavy day, you know, doing that yeah. and thirty times. Um, it was about thirty times, and and I thought I was doing something wrong, and and um, Gareth just said, said, "Oh no, no, don't worry, we're just we're it's options, it's options, it's all about options." And they had the time as well. So, yeah, you know, so they had the luxury, but yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's okay. How long? Um, how long was that shoot? For you that shoot yeah but the whole thing well the uh, well i mean i was on and off set for five you know it was five weeks wow. so but well, we were having there was a lot of that time was waiting around waiting we were waiting to do things um and you know we would be taken to set and not know if we were going to be used or not right. on, on that particular day but you had to be on set and um but then we, there was a lot of rain while we were shooting. So okay. um, they were trying to shoot a big kind of explosion, uh, explosion scene outside mm -hmm. at Pinewood. And there was a lot of rain with intermittent showers. So we were then called in as a kind of a, a backup, just in case, um, just in case they couldn't work for those scenes outside. And then they could come inside and use us. So a lot of it, we were like waiting around to see if we were going to be used or not. And actually, there was a there was a time where we were 
we were allowed to stay in our homes. I was in East London at the time. Okay. Um, and then a car, that a car would literally be waiting outside our house, our houses, just in case they wanted us to be, take, you know, whisked over to Pinewood. And so we, we had to await to a certain kind of point in the day yeah. when they, we would all be stood down because it got so late in the day that we couldn't possibly be taken over yeah. to Pinewood because it would have taken us a couple of hours even to get over to Pinewood, you know. So um, it was quite a strange way of working from yeah. day to day. Yeah, yeah so you, you never knew where you were, basically. It was a very un, unusual experience. Yeah. So nothing like anything you've ever done before. Maybe. Nothing and nothing and nothing like I've ever done since either. No, and uh, really? I mean that's, yeah, that's it's slightly you know, it's a it's an unusual experience because it, you know obviously all actors want some kind of continuity with their character as well, and you want you know if you've got a, a character that is in six seven scenes or whatever then. You've got a bit of a. You feel like you've got, you know, got a bit of story going, and um, and you've got a, uh, you know, if you're on set for, I don't know, a week, uh, day after day, then you get into a rhythm as well with uh, working, and it's it's much easier to work in that way rather than working ad hoc, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Stop, start, stop, start, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Richard, so what other is there anything? What's coming up? What's on the horizon for you? Uh, well, yeah, there were a couple of um, TVs coming up. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about them, but uh, there's two of those um, coming up. Um, but because of COVID, we're not shooting for a, a few months, and one of them, in fact, is shooting in January. So it's uh, right, you know, a bit of a way off. But I do have. Um, a short film that will be uh, coming out online um, quite soon um, called Indefinitely. Um, uh, and it was, it was all shot on Zoom, um, kind of like a play, but on, on Zoom. Um, and it's Harriet Thorpe and um, Daisy Waterstone that they appear in it too. Um, wow. And I pop up as a, as a rather, um, a comedic character, shall we say. Okay. That's amazing. And then how do we... Um, so how would we find it? Uh, you're saying it's going to be online? Well, that's an interesting thing. It's going to be online. So um, I think it, I think we just send it out. We will get sent links, and then we send links out into the uh, atmosphere, as it were. Uh, yeah, okay. And uh, then it will find its way around, hopefully. But it, it's all for charity as well. Any money that comes from that film, hmm. uh, I'm not quite sure how they're going to... Um, make the money on on that film, but any money that is made from it um, is going to go to the NHS charities as well. So it's uh, it's for a good cause. Oh, really nice. I'll, I'll make sure if I find well, not if when I get that link, um, I'll share it as well on our platform so people can see it and refer. Lovely. Thank you so much. I will be sending it to you. Brilliant. Richard, um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, these have been some fascinating stories uh, uh, and it's been really interesting to hear about your career and your process. Um, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Pleasure.